Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the Planet Earth, the John Campus Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, my international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, streaming, television. Okay, we're going to mention WandaVision, at least a little bit off the top here. And I'm not alone today. On this Friday, we are so happy to be joined, but with her triumphant return, both of them actually, Aaron Cummings and Joey Bishop. Yay! How are you doing? I missed you guys. John, I missed you. Viewers, I missed you as well. Thank you so much for reaching out with your kind tweets on Twitter. Um, it has been a wild time since I've been away. But yes. hey, you know what? I, In addition to all the crazy things that have happened in movie news, I finally, finally shot the Will Smith movie, King Richard. How long? During how long? Because it was literally, if I remember this correctly, you were supposed to, the day you were scheduled to go to set to start shooting March with, 15th. with Will Smith was March 15th. And uh -huh. wasn't it like the day before or so something? So I that received they my it? call sheet and I was really excited because of, it was like 6 a.m. call time, number one, Will Smith, number 8,325, Aaron Cummings. But I was like, I don't care. I'm still getting to meet him with Will Smith. And then um, my, the series that I had been attached to, that I'd been cast in, Lincoln Lawyer. Right. Had which was at the time on CBS had just gotten pushed because of the pandemic, and so then I was just hoping to be able to you know get in there on the movie. And at like two o'clock the day before, the, the the AD <laughs> called and said Warner Brothers has shut everything down. Don't worry, we'll be back. But you never know. A lot of movies didn't come back, so I was really uh, I was I was very happy when I got the call in November to be able to come in and work. Um, and it was a, a really eight months later, eight months later. But you know what? It was well worth the wait. And I, what I also said, I was talking to some of the other members, uh, some of the the daughters, because the movie King Richard is about Venus uh, and Williams. And you're right, dad. Uh, Richard Williams, Venus and Serena Williams' father, and. So I was talking to some of the girls and I said, you know, how lucky we are to be able to work during this time. Oh, because, yeah. you know, one of the young ladies was 16 years old. I said, when you are an actress in your 60s, you're going to have young actors say, what was it like to work during the pandemic? Yeah. You know, I said, this is a period of history. And while it's very bizarre, I mean, it very it really was. Uh, very, very safe, but different. You know, usually being on set, especially for a big studio film, I mean, it's it's really fun. It, it's a it's an open, inviting, uh, energetic, frenzied, but also just electric environment. And this was very safe. All the doors were one way in and one way out. There was no you couldn't even bring a bottle of water onto the set. I would have to I between craft services and my room. My, my room where I was, uh, because they didn't have trailers in this area, uh, I had to go through the stage. And so I would have to pass like four different COVID officers and be like, I'm not opening it. I'm just bringing it straight to my room. I promise. I promise. So it was a very different experience, but um, I felt... I feel completely honored to be able to at least have said I worked one job during the pandemic because a lot of people haven't. I'm grateful. Uh, the movie should be coming out from what I've been told sometime late 2021. So hopefully the, later this year, hopefully <laughs> later this year, but anything goes. Uh, but it was, it was really a, a great 
experience, but I'm glad to be back here. And it's good to have you back. It's really good to have you back. And it's really good to have you guys back joining us. Okay, listen, here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We got a bunch of topics we're going to talk about off the top here, and then we're going to roll into our live questions. How do you get a live comment or question on the John Campy Show? It's really simple. Simply use the tip link that's down in the description of this video. You can just click on it there, or you can enter it in manually at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show in the live part of the show, if it's reasonable. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And all of us, thank you very, very much for that. Now, before we even get into our topics, I should mention this. Obviously, WandaVision. WandaVision uh, was last night. And it was as crazy as ever, a lot of really cool things, and we are not here to talk about WandaVision today, other than the fact that I thought it was great. Uh, but a little bit later today at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Anne and I will be doing our weekly WandaVision open spoiler discussion. Once again, that will be at 4 p.m. Los Angeles time. You can figure it out, whatever time zone that is where you guys are. Now, I also want to point something out. To get in a question... Uh, on uh, the John Campia show, we just talked about it. use that tip link down there. But to get a question or a comment or a theory or whatever on the spoiler, the WandaVision spoiler episodes, you don't use that tip link. You'll just go to the actual live event and just use YouTube Super Chat. That's how, So that's how we keep those two sets of questions separate. Tip link for the John Campia show, Super Chats for the WandaVision thing. So just remember, just try to keep that in mind if you can. And please do come back and join Ann and I as we talk about, I count at least three major theories that got debunked <laughs> last night. This show is keeping us on our toes. We'll talk about that a little while later. All right, guys, listen, before we get into our main topics today, there is one off the top that we should talk about is this. You know, one of Marvel's many billion dollar films was their film Captain Marvel uh, with Brie Larson. Not my favorite Marvel film. It, I, it's it's a solid film. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Mm -hmm. I put it right. I, I put it right around. Make it comparable to say Ant Man and the Wasp, Ant Man Two. Okay, yeah. I can so see that. I like solid film, but not one of their, their better ones. But I enjoyed it, and I've been looking forward to them coming back and doing another one. Well, a little bit of news just came out regarding Captain Marvel Two. They have just cast their villain. An actress, Zawe Ashton, and I, I could be mispronouncing her name. I've read her name a few times. I've never heard somebody say it. So forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it for now. I'll pick up on it. But for now, we'll call it Zawe Ashton has been signed. Now, if you don't recognize her, join the club. I'm going to fully admit I, I don't recognize her either. But she has appeared in some things I've seen. So as we go over here, um, Ashton first broke onto the scene with her role in the TV series Fresh Meat, which I never watched. Uh, she was recently seen on Broadway in the revival of Betrayed opposite Tom Hiddleston. That mm. we heard a lot about. On the film side, she was most recently seen opposite Jake Gyllenhaal in Netflix's Velvet Buzzsaw. Other credits include Nocturnal Animals, which I did enjoy that, but I can't remember her in it, and Greta. She is rep by CAA and United Entertainment. So, I mean, look. I, I'm not going to say I think this is a great cast or anything like that, because like I said, I, I'm not familiar with her work. Like maybe once I go back and watch Nocturnal Animals again or Greta again and I go, oh, oh, that's her. Yeah. But for now, I got to say, I just don't know. What's interesting to me, though, is that it looks like they finally are getting things moving on, on Captain Marvel 2, which is good. So, yeah. Hey, Captain Marvel 2 is moving. They've got they're getting their casting in place. Everything is still moving on that. Aaron, I... 
listen, I, you're a little bit more connected than me. I am not familiar with Zawe yet, mm -hmm. so that's me. I'm not quite sure if you're familiar at all with her work. But what do you think about you know the fact that they're moving ahead? They've cast their villain. Are you looking forward to Captain Marvel two? What are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to Captain Marvel two. And one of the things that is interesting about uh, you know her trajectory is you look at her body of work and she. While she herself is not necessarily a known commodity, you know, you obviously are much more tapped into casting and the film world and who's doing what than the average person is. And you were not aware of her work. But when you look back, you know, she number one, she's British and she was in Sherlock. Um, she was in uh, Doctor Who. She's made some some she some some um, points. Sorry. It's my first day back. I'm having trouble formulating <laughs> my words. She was working in the UK and obviously got some attention there. She then came and did a Broadway show with Tom Hiddleston, as you said, and that right there really introduced her to an American audience. But the thing about it is that was probably a very strategic move on the part of her UK representation, which is, you know, you are you are getting a lot of um, notice here in the UK, a lot of important people who are the players and the people who make decisions are recognizing your your talent. So let's get you over to America in a vehicle that's really going to allow your talent to be seen. And Broadway, you know, really is a great opportunity for that. You know, my friend Billy Magnuson, who was a groomsman in our wedding, he was, you know, working as an actor, but then he did Vanya, Sonia, Masha and Spike on Broadway. Meryl Streep saw him. And when Jake Gyllenhaal had to pull out of um, the, the, the Disney musical, I forget which one it was, um, the, with the princes, Chris Pine was in it, and he played the other prince. You guys are saying Ench it. Enchanted? No, no, no you guys, um, you guys into, were into the woods. Into the woods, that's yes. It. And so that's the thing is he, Meryl Streep said, "Oh, cast him as one of the princes in Into the Woods," and boom, his tra the trajectory of his career absolutely transformed, and now he's in the new Bond movie. So this really seems like someone that I'm excited to have my eye on, because even though popular culture doesn't necessarily know who she is yet, the people who make the decisions and the people who recognize talent and put certain actors on certain trajectories, they're saying this girl's a star. So I'm excited to see what she has to offer and, and, and get to know her, and especially making her big debut uh, you know, in a big budget studio movie as a villain, that's definitely going to set her apart from the traditional. It works for Tom Hiddleston. Right. And, <laughs> and, but especially, you know, as a woman, you know, it's a lot of times people want to put act, you know, young actresses into that ingenue category mm. um, of like Ophelia from Hamlet. You know, everybody, if you're under 25, you're Ophelia. You know, if you're in your 40s, you're Lady M. You know, they, they kind of put you in those categories. And so for her, so young and so unknown, I put that in quotes, to be uh, to be able to portray a villain as her first big character, this is really going to open up the world of the types of roles that she's going to be able to be seen yeah. as. So I'm really excited to meet this young woman and get to know who she is through her body of work. Um, and of course, very excited for Captain Marvel too. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, sometimes... You know, we, we hear different people say they want known actors for certain roles, but then a lot of people say, no, we want unknown actors. This is a little bit in the middle of the road. She's not exactly brand new. What do you think about this? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. 
with that down, let's now move into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? It's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think should be a main issue here on The John Campia Show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by CoolKid260, who writes, Dear John, it was announced that Paramount is doing a remake of the 90s classic film Face Off with Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard directing. Do you think they should have a male and female face-off this time around or a different type of face-off? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Couple quick Addendums before we get into any of that. Number one, apparently it's not a remake. Apparently, Adam Wingard is saying it's a direct sequel, which is like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a second. As far as can it have a male and a female, no. That if you if you know and understand face off, <laughs> that is simply not possible. Um, if I could summarize my reaction when I heard that they were gonna do another face off, um, the word would be Hallelujah. I love face-off. I love face-off. In the immortal words of Nick Cage, if I asked you, no, wait, let me rephrase. If I let you <laughs> suck my tongue, would you be grateful? I mean, I'm Caster Troy. I freaking love face-off. I don't care what anybody else says. I love face-off. I love this movie. And guess what? Having Adam Wingard attached to this. You guys saw me absolutely melt down over the Godzilla versus Kong trailer that came out there. That is my favorite trailer in the last couple of years. Now, like maybe you have to go as far back as, I don't know, maybe the Logan trailer before there was another. I mean, I'm not saying Godzilla versus Kong is going to be great, but the trailer was awesome and my blood got flowing. So hearing that Adam Wingard is going to be doing face off is amazing. Now, the one thing about this is I cannot help but wonder, Aaron. Mm hmm. If executives over at the studio were watching the John Campia show a while ago. Probably. When I proposed, listen, you want to print money? You want to print money? What is the hottest feud on Twitter right now and has been for the last couple of years? Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. You want to print money? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, face off. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, but no. Now, apparently, at first, when the news came out about this, they were saying... They were saying it's a remake, mm -hmm. but now apparently there are comments from Wingard coming out that's saying it's going to be a direct sequel. At any rate, this comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who write, Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard has been tapped for the remake, again, at the time they were still saying remake, of Face Off. Wingard will direct the Paramount Project from a script he will write with Simon Barrett, 22 Jump Street. Um... Uh, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage starred in the 1997 action thriller from John Woo, which centers on two arch enemies exchanging each other's identities and faces. The story follows FBI agent Sean Archer, played by Travolta, who is tracking down terrorist Caster Troy, played by Nick Cage. When Troy Brands aboards a plane in Los Angeles that crashes and is severely injured, Archer undergoes surgery to remove his face and replace it with Troy's <laughs> in order to undercover, go undercover as the criminal. It's one of the most ridiculous concepts ever in the history of film. 100%. And it's delicious. I love that movie in a very kind of guilty pleasure sort of way. And you know what's funny? 
normally if we were to hear that they were going to be doing either a sequel, a late sequel or a remake, I would rather hear a late sequel. I got to confess my first reaction here is I'd rather see a remake. I'd rather see like another go at it with two more iconic actors today, just because the concept is so wild, but it will be interesting to see which way they go on this. Aaron, uh, you and I have never talked about the movie Face Off, I don't believe, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think about another Face Off movie coming? Adam Wingard directing this thing. What are your thoughts on this right now? Well, I do like how Adam Wingard made sure to clarify on his Instagram that it's not a remake. It's a sequel, because I think that that's also that might have been a little bit of um you know, whatever that game is where, you know, you have the three cups and you hide the coin. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a sequel. I think that it will probably be closer to a reboot, but everybody, everybody always bitches about a reboot. You know, everybody's like, oh, why are you remaking the movie? Blah, blah, blah. People are a little, I mean, even you, in the way that you were talking, you were like, oh, okay, well, interesting. Even though you did say I'd rather see a complete remake, you know, I think that there is this something... This is a rare occasion of one of those. Right. Very I rare. I think that there is there is a little bit of an immediate, um, you know, people immediately get all, you know, up in a kerfluffle whenever they hear remake. Why are you remaking it? It was already so good. And so sequel kind of relaxes people a little bit. Mm. I think that when the dust is settled, we are going to have what is more traditionally known as a remake or reboot, but we might see a cameo from, you know, John Travolta. Wait, which one? Both Travolta Cage. Well, right, no, but which one? One of them is dead at the end or yeah, presumed that, this dead. Is the movie. Then, then again, this is it's the movie. Yes, it, it, it is, it is face off, a movie so bad <laughs> that it convinces millions of people that it's actually somehow good. That's me. There you go. And, you know, I, I, but you also have to remember that during this time, Nick Cage and John Travolta were zeitgeist. Yeah. I mean, John Travolta, this this came out about three years. This came out in 97. So not long after his triumphant return to the silver screen in Pulp Fiction, he had just done Get Shorty. I mean, he was riding high in the next wave of his career. And similarly, you know, Nick Cage had come off of his critical acclaim in Leaving Las Vegas, and he had done... Um, um, he had he had done some really big con air had recently yeah. come out. So, you know, he was really coming off of a big explosion in his career as well. And these are also two actors that uh, if they were being introduced to maybe the Gen Xers at the time, our parents or not our parents, but like the maybe people about 10 years older than us had fallen in love with them, you know, when they were younger in their career. So there was a wide audience who had sort of seen them grow up in front of the camera. And so when they were able to start doing some of their, uh, their character, uh, little idiosyncrasies when they were mimicking each other, the audience was really able to pick up on that and enjoy that. So that's going to be a big part of it is casting. You know, I have heard Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Also, I kind of love the idea if we're going to go, you know, back to in a a British way, especially if Guy Ritchie were directing, if we had Robert Pattinson and Tom Hardy. A lot of people have been talking about them. And the reason why I'm really on board with that is if you saw Peaky Blinders, then you know that Tom Hardy is a character actor, despite being one of the most beautiful human beings that has ever walked this earth. 
with the most kissable lips <laughs> that have ever been on. T- I'm sorry, I'm married to Tom Degnan, and he's right he's on the other side of that right door. On the other side yeah. of the door. <laughs> yes, I am. He knows that I have a big crush on Tom Hardy. So Tom Hardy, he's a character actor, and he loves creating these wild characters and being idiosyncr- idiosyncratic. And if you if you were one of the millions of people who saw Twilight, then you know very well that Robert Pattinson also has a wonderful ability to do the most unbelievable amount of absurdity and do it with the seriousness that (laughs) face-off requires. Which we're going to see in Batman. Which we're going to see in Batman. I'm going to throw out another pair of names for a new face-off. Okay? Ready for this? Another pair of names for a new face-off. You guys ready for this? Again, Hollywood, you're welcome. Send me my residual check. Here it is. Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You want to go comedy route? Okay. You want yes, a comedy but route? Like Kevin Hart's Kevin Hart, Dwayne, Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson, money. And then if you want to make it also cerebral, Denzel Washington, John Michael Washington, father, oh. son, face-off. Ah, see? I mean, there's just so many possibilities. Now we're getting meta all up in here. Question is, guys. What do you think about this? I listen, whether whether it is a sequel or a remake, it doesn't matter. I think the world, what the world needs right now is more face-off. So guys, what do you think about this? And what do you think about Adam Wingard being the guy to do it? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Jane, and Jane writes, The Hollywood Reporter has revealed that Disney Plus has passed 95 million subscribers at the end of 2020, surpassing their $90 million goal for 2024. At this point, with all the MCU and Star Wars shows coming, I think they will surpass Netflix as the top streamer by the end of 2022, Thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, look, a little bit of context here. I was as excited as anybody about Disney Plus. I was at the D23 event. I was there when they were hyping up the new service. It was great. We were all waiting for this new Star Wars show, Mandalorian. So we'll see how good that'll be. It turned out to be awesome. And then it came out and I loved it. And it was a good service, but I spent a good part of a year kind of complaining about Disney Plus too, because you it's did. like, great, you got Mandalorian. Yay. Where where the hell is everything else? HBO is coming out with new content all the time. Netflix is putting out new movies and shows every 25 minutes. Amazon is doing, like, where the hell is the original programming? Now, as we come into 2021, that looks to be kind of corrected because now we got WandaVision, they've got Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then we've got this just string of stuff. So that's great. But I spent a better part of a year on this show being kind of frustrated with Disney Plus. And yet somehow they have managed to hit 95 million subscribers basically in the first year. To put that in context, um, they're, I mean, they're lapping Netflix right now as far as the, their uh, their growth rate from mm-hmm. conception to, to a maturation. It is insane when you look at the growth rates. Yeah, if these growth rates maintain, and there's nothing to say that they will, but if they did, yeah, they're going to be lapping Netflix pretty fast. Netflix that has been around for over a decade. They're going to lap them. Not, uh, But, I mean, that's that's <laughs> there's a lot of ifs that have to play into that. Let's just get back to the core numbers here, though. I remember when I heard that their goal is to hit 90 million by 2024. I remember thinking, 
okay, yeah, that's doable. It's doable. I won't be surprised if they don't quite get there, but it's doable. $95 million in the first year. I, it's astounding. And then when you hold those numbers up to like an HBO Max, mm-hmm. which I still think as of right now, maybe not six months from now, but as of right now, I still think HBO Max is the better service. I, I think HBO Max is the better service. For now, ask me again in six months. But I do think Disney Plus is great. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't go jumping on me as a Disney hater or anything. I still think Disney Plus is really good. It's just that, you know, but they have had the ability because their library is insane to do all this stuff and kind of clear the tracks. There's no getting around it. That's for first year. I don't think the most optimistic Bob Iberger, Bob Chapek sitting down, having a slumber party, having s'mores and thinking about how big do you think we could be in one year, Bob? I don't know, Bob, maybe we'd be at 50 million in a year. And they hit 95 million in one year. Uh, and that was with one bloody show. They had Mandalorian, which is great, but they had one bloody show and then all archive content. What they may, where they may be at right now, Aaron, when I think about this, when I look at how good uh, WandaVision is right now, Mm-hmm. And then we got Falcon and Winter Soldier and we've got Loki coming and on and on and on. We got all this stuff. When I think about what they did in that first year with one bloody with one bloody show, what they may be after that Disney um, shareholders announcements with all the shows. Now that we know they got the book of Boba Fett coming. We've got all these all this large lineup of Star Wars and Marvel and whatever content coming. I I'm not saying they're going to double in the next year, because, you know, over 95 million people have already signed up. Right. But I mean, it is kind of amazing to think about where they could be a year from now. And right now, like the people over at HBO Max are like, how the hell do how listen, we're, we make great content. Mm-hmm. HBO makes great content. And they're like, how the hell? How can we not get these kinds of numbers anyway? Because they're making the best. They're, they're making fantastic comments. Content. Absolutely fantastic. Anyway, Aaron, you hear about these numbers, 95 million a year, exceeding their four-year goal in one year. What are your thoughts on this? Well, the analogy that I have, and I know that Netflix has been around for, like you said, a decade. HBO has also been around for multiple decades. But I look at Disney as old money. Mm. And... Netflix and HBO Max as nouveau riche. Bear with me here, okay? When there's something about, and this is just like, I don't come from old money. I don't even come from new money. I don't come from money at all. But this is my my perspective on it. I feel like there's something that when you come from old money, when you are established and you know that your bills are paid and the lights are on, regardless of what new endeavor you try, you can go and try. You know what? I think I want to try, you know, being, a, you know, a, I don't know, a, an underwater basket weaver. I'm going to go try that. You can afford that loss if it doesn't work out. Disney launching their television, sh- their, their Disney Plus, yeah, it was a risk of sorts. But the Disney empire is not going to crumble, you know, the, if, if that doesn't work out. So they can afford to take certain risks that other newcomers who really need to establish their name can't take. You know, they can do a slow burn because they know that the name Disney is not going to stop coming out of people's mouths. And all they real and they knew 
all we really need is something to keep people talking about us. And then we're going to build and we're going to build and we're going to build. And then we're going to just hit it home. And I think that that's something that a company that really is established, that has a presence in every single home, not just in America, but you know, worldwide, um, because of their relevance for so long across so many age ranges and demographics, I think that they can afford to take a risk like a slow burn, like a slow build and go, you know what, we're not worried about it because we also know what we have. And also they, these people, Disney Plus has these plans built so far out. They know what's coming down the pipeline and they have these experts that study human behavior. So in one sense, um, am I surprised in a way? Yeah, I'm surprised that they beat their projections, but also maybe there's a little reverse psychology to that. Maybe there was a part of them that always knew they could hit somewhere around here, but over promise or sort of sorry. Under promise and over deliver. You know, yeah. if they say, hey, internally, we think that our projections are 95 in two years or in four years, but um, or in we think that we can I'm, I'm getting there, guys. If we think that we can get to 95 in a year, what if we say that we're going to project that for two years or four years? Then we're going to look like even bigger superstars when we actually who knows that mark may have been the mark that they internally set all along. I mean, I just think that Disney is such a well-oiled machine that as great as Netflix and HBO Max have done, they do not have the same um, the same hold that Netflix and HBO Max uh, that, that, that Disney does, you know, just as a company overall. Because what I'm saying makes sense because it's not yeah, really making I, a lot of sense it, in my head. I haven't had enough coffee. It's still, it's just astounding numbers. It is, it's, 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 it is astounding. Okay, Absolutely. It's but again, crazy. like we talked about, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm a parent and I'm Which choosing. Which is a huge part of this equation. A hundred percent. Huge part. If I have, if, if I'm a parent and I have, you know, two or three kids and I'm trying to figure out, you know, we have talked a lot on this show and I know a lot of the viewers have also talked about, God, it seems like every couple of you know every six months there's a new streaming platform that i have to pay another 6.99 for another 9.99 for if you are trying to figure out where i'm going to allocate my money for streaming for my family and you have to choose as a parent with three kids between disney and then hbo max and netflix that's a really easy choice i'm going to go for disney that i know i can watch movies that i want to watch programming that i'm interested in but also programming that my kids are going to enjoy as well and while netflix and hbo max may have some fair disney is the sure bet so that's an entire demographic that's just an automatic win for them so but i say hey good for them and you know what competition is healthy and it's all and all it's going to do is continue to make the other streaming services want to get more content, better content. And who wins? The rest of us do. Question is, guys, what did you think about these numbers that are coming out that like there's just no getting around? They're astronomical. What do you guys think about that? Where could Disney Plus be after the end of year two? Jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. OK, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic. Number three, and our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Rodney Harris, who writes, greetings, John. So Black Widow is supposed to come out in theaters in just under three months on May 7th. I don't mean to sound skeptical, 
But even with the improving conditions, more vaccines and and, uh, falling new infection rates, less than three months seems a little ambitious. But Disney has just said that they are fully committed to releasing Widow in theaters. Do you think they can make the May 7th window? Do you believe they won't skip theatrical and go right to streaming? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, the the saga of Black Widow trying to get onto screens continues. Now, of course, the movie was moved a couple of times, and now it's sitting on May 7th. May 7th is rapidly approaching. And while, yes, you know, actually, you know what's funny? Aaron, Ann, and I were looking at like the... In California, the new infection rates, like two weeks ago, it was like the seven-day average was like 42,000 new infections mm-hmm. per seven days. Today, it's like 10,000 new infections per day, which is still 10,000 too many. But I mean, we see situations improving. We're seeing vaccines rolling out. They're saying they're going to have all these vaccines by here and then, blah, blah, blah. But still, three months is a short window. And and I was saying, I think about two weeks ago, I kind of expect Black Widow to be bumped one more time. I do not think, I think they've seemed very committed to not putting this thing on Disney+. Plus. I think they want to bump it. They will bump it one more time. That's what I think they're going to do. Now, when asked about it uh, and about whether or not they may look at putting this thing out into like, say, Disney+, Plus instead, Bob Chapek, the new CEO over at Disney, he seemed fairly resolute When he said the following, this comes to us from Variety, uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek debunked speculation that Black Widow, the upcoming Marvel superhero adventure starring Scarlett Johansson, may debut on the Disney Plus streaming service. Black Widow is currently scheduled to open theatrically on May 7th, which would make it the first blockbuster of 2021. This is what Bob Chapek said. We are still intending it to be a theatrical release, Chapek said Thursday during the Disney's quarterly earnings call. And he went on from there to explain a little bit more. All right. So this breaks down into a couple of questions. Question number one is, do I think they will forego the theatrical experience and do the Disney Plus route? No, they have said for about six months now and Chapek just doubled down again. This movie's going to theaters. This is a theatrical movie. This is a movie that for us has the potential Not that it will get there, but it has the potential to be a billion-dollar film. I mean, probably, once things are kind of normalized a little bit, it's $700 in its sleep. So, no, we're not going to pass up on that windfall. We are going to do this theatrically. So, on the question of do I think they're going to put this on Disney+, Plus, the answer to me, I think, is very clearly no, they're not. Now, on the question of do I think they're going to put this thing, if if they're going to actually release this on May 7th, Listen, I'm as optimistic as anybody, but May 7th, I mean, heavens, if the release date right now is June 7th, I feel way more optimistic about that, honestly. But to me, May seems just a little too soon. I think, I, you know, I earlier I said I thought late May might be the most optimistic. I see Disney pushing this one more time. And probably when they push it again, It'll probably be anywhere between 30 to 60 days. I don't see it like being a massive four-month jump or anything like that. So I do believe they're going to push it one more time, but it will indeed be theatrical. Aaron, you're hearing Bob Chape. I mean, we're seeing what's happening right now. We're, we, you know, for the first time in a long time, we're seeing some encouraging news about the state of the pandemic. May 7th is not all that far away. We just heard Bob Chapek's statements. So two questions. Number one. Do you think at some point they will just forego the theatrical, their traditional theatrical release and go to Disney Plus? And if they do keep it theatrical, can they make that May 7th date? What do you think? Well, I definitely agree with you. I do not believe that they're going to put it on Disney Plus. 
as you said, they have made it very clear that this is going to go to theaters. You are much more optimistic about the pandemic numbers than I am. Um, I and I I have. I want to be optimistic, I really do, but when I look at the numbers, I don't just look at the drop from a few weeks ago, because from a few weeks ago, that was the post-holiday bump. We yeah. all knew yeah. that over, th- you know, at, at Thanksgiving, there was a huge jump in numbers, and then at Christmas and New Year's, obviously, there was a massive jump in numbers. So when I look at the numbers, I don't compare where we are today to where we are two weeks ago. I compare where we are today to where we were right before Thanksgiving. And the numbers are really not that different. Um, and in fact, now that we have new introduction, all these new variants coming in, the B117, you know, and these indications that these very these variants are a lot more uh, transmissible. I'm not ready to breathe easy just yet. And also in California, we have eight hundred thousand. Um, frontline medical workers alone, just in Los Angeles County. And we haven't even finished vaccinating all of our medical workers and people over age 65. So uh, even though, you know, Tom and I have, a, you know, a medical history that may warrant us to be, I guess, higher up on the list, we're nowhere near getting our vaccines yet. We're not even close to getting um, our vaccine. So I think that the idea that people that by May, we will reach a point where the majority of the population has had two inoculations and has gotten in the habit of going back to the movies. Because you have to remember, it's not just about, oh, we're vaccinated and now we're just going to go out. I think that there will be a big uh, a big push to for people to get out of the house again. I think people are going to be so ravenous to have some sort of social engagement. But I do think that asking people to sit in a movie theater for several hours um, might take a little bit more easing into than Bob Iger. Is. I think he's being very optimistic about people's willingness. Not Because I think people are going to want to go to concerts and sporting events and events where not well, only... They just had 22,000 people at the Super Bowl. Right. But mostly mostly vaccinated people. (laughs) Right. Yes. And they were also very, you know, very distant, sitting far apart and it was outdoors. So I don't know. I I really think that this is going to get pushed again. I think May is very optimistic. Um, And even if I were to get both inoculations in April, I don't necessarily know. And it's not even that I think that I would go and get sick. It's just. We're so now used to being able to have it, you know, being able to watch a movie in the comfort of our home. And while, yes, there's always going to be the wonderful film fans who want the experience of going to a cinema, you know, a lot of people who are just not that into the movies they they like movies but they're not they're not you guys they're not the people watching the john campia show like the people that are watching this show yeah we're all gonna go to the movies eventually but there's a lot of people that have now been really spoiled into the idea of why go and you know drive to the movie theater and pay for tickets and pay for popcorn when i can just pause it and go to the bathroom whenever i want you know i I, my counter to that has been and, and and remains is that if you, let's look at a similar optional activity outside of the house, restaurants. You can sit at home and eat food. You can even order food in to come to your house and all that kind of stuff. But I know around where we live, the moment restaurants were allowed to open, the restaurants were at capacity. You can eat food at home. 
You can have it delivered. You can make it yourself. You don't have to go anywhere. But the moment the opportunity availed itself for people to go and do that, they flooded out to do it. And I agree with Steven Spielberg when he said, listen, when things are, thing and look, I, I Steven Spielberg, what does he know? I think, I think <laughs> you're right. I mean, I do think May 7th is too optimistic. I think that is too optimistic, yeah. May 7th. But I also feel like the the end is finally in sight. I feel like the light is fine. We actually tangibly see it there now. You know what I mean? Yes, but the and reason you are why right I too, it will once that is cleared, it will take a little bit of time for people to reacclimate and get back into that flow too. So it's not just about getting the theaters open. It's also about needing a little bit of runway time to get people back into the habit exactly. of going back again. But in a counter to your restaurant analogy, a lot of people don't like to cook. And a lot of, and also there's something to be said about being served, sitting down and requesting something. And, and as a, as a waitress for many, many years, I understand that there's, I mean, there's a reason why you tip your server is because people like to get good service. You go to a movie theater, you're not really getting service. You buy your ticket, you sit down, you, you know, you, unless you're going to my favorite movie theater, Alamo Draft House. that I, pro <laughs> I will say this, I pro you know what? I will go back to Alamo Draft House because that is a full experience of getting, you know, that I can't have at home. I can like I can go and sit at a normal movie theater. Like I feel like I can have that experience at home. There's something about, you know, being taken care of, you know, going out and saying I'm paying for this service, but I also feel like I'm getting an extra level of service that, you know, so that's my counter to your restaurant analogy, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that Steven Spielberg is wrong. So I don't know. I, I will remain, I will remain He's cautiously knowing, but I mean, again, when we I'll remain cautiously markets. optimistic, but I don't see may happening. Right. I see it being pushed. I do too. I do for too. Sure. whether that's late June or July or something like that. But I, I agree whether how long more it's got to be Independence pushed. Day, Black Widow. Let's have a July 4th Black Widow party. There you go. I'm I mean, that. so regardless of how long it needs to be pushed, I think it needs to be pushed, but yeah. I also believe they're 100% staying in their theatrical model. Question is, guys, what do you think about that? Do you think there's any chance that Black Widow can actually hold that May 7th date? I don't think so. Aaron doesn't think so. Maybe you can think of some good reasons why I will. Jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move on and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? Once again, if you want to get in a live comment or question on the show, simply use the tip link that's in the description of this video. You can just see it down there. You can click on it or you can enter it in manually at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show, either this one or an upcoming companion video, if it's reasonable. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. Remember, guys, we're not here to talk about WandaVision spoiler things yet. We can talk about those next week, but you can come back a little bit later today at 4 p.m. once again to see Ann and I talking about WandaVision episode six in our open spoiler discussion. That's the wrong image. That's the one I'm looking for. Uh, so hopefully you guys will come back and talk to us about that then. Okay, let's move on here. First up, oh, by the way, an Iconic Reactions sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that, Iconic Reactions. Appreciate that, man. All right, first up, we got uh, Gabriel. And Gabriel writes, In the last episode of WandaVision, in Spanish, Monica is clearly referring to a female engineer. She used the female version twice in the sentence, My money is on the girl Skrull she met in Captain Marvel, laying the groundwork for Secret Invasion. Okay, 
Yes, but the one I, I will address one spoiler from last night's WandaVision episode. Again, it's minor, 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 minor. In last night's WandaVision episode, she she then refers to the engineer gay again, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I believe she said my guy. I believe she mentioned when referring to the engineer, I believe she referred to him as my guy. So there there would be that. So again, that's the the most might is a little one word thing that's thrown in there. So it looks like it is indeed a, a male. All right. Uh, will blow your mind, writes. Hey, John, I have a theory about MCU slash Sony deal. I think we are looking at it wrong. I think their relationship is coming to an end. I think they are going this route to give Spidey his proper send off. Uh, and the results of the multiverse of madness will be him getting stuck in another dimension and he will just live life in the Sony-verse along with Venom and Morbius finishing his last two movies with Spidey 3 and Doc 2 thoughts. Hey, listen, when they first announced that Sony, because remember, they were around D23, the status of things during D23 was that they're done. The deal between Marvel and Sony is done. And then when they came out later and said, we've reached a new deal, our initial kind of spot on that was this. This is so they can wrap this thing up tidy. Now, since then, we've seen open doors that, oh, maybe this could mean a longer lasting relationship, which I still believe is on the table. But yeah, that was always the initial thought was they made a new deal so they could properly bring the Spider-Man MCU thing to a close and wrap it up in a certain way. And then Sony will take back Spider-Man and do their Spider-Man movies and it'll be separate from the MCU. I mean, both of these things are on the table, but that's absolutely theory. Aaron, let me ask you. Mm hmm. Uh, and by the way, uh, Jeremy and Walker just sent like a $50 uh, tip badge in the live chat. Thank you so much for that, Jeremy. And appreciate hey, Jeremy, that, very much. Um, that's a very generous man. All right. So we saw in the Morbius trailer, Michael Keaton in the clothes he was wearing in the MCU movie, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. We saw the Spider-Man mural on the wall in Sony's Morbius thing. Do you think that... Sony and Marvel are now just heading into the home stretch and they want to give a proper wrap up to the Spider-Man story in the MCU and then Sony will take them back and then Marvel will continue going on their way and they'll be two separate things. Or do you think their deal is going to last longer and we're going to continue to see Spider-Man in Marvel films? What do you think? I think that as long as they're making money, they're not going to stop making They're not going to stop. I mean, the reason why people are always complaining that we never see anything new in Hollywood, which is not true, which you've addressed many, many times. There are lots of new things coming out of Hollywood. You're, they're just not the things that you're watching. Um, the, the, for the big budget tentpole action, you know, let's bring it a billion dollars kind of conversations. They're going to go with what they know is making money. And as long as that combination is making money and people are happy and people are wanting more, they're going to continue doing it. So I don't think that they're sending him off just yet. Uh, by the way, I mean, I already see some people in our live chat saying things like, no, no, Spider-Man's got to stay with Marvel. I, I, and listen, I love the relationship between Sony and, and Marvel. I'm loving. I really enjoy Homecoming. I really enjoy Far From Home. But the reality is this. Marvel has never made a Spider-Man movie as good as Spider-Man 2. And Marvel has never made a Spider-Man movie as good as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. When you say good, are you saying enjoyable or are you saying profitable? Or are you saying both? Um, no, I'm, I'm saying enjoyable. 
enjoyable. Like the two best, to me, the two best Spider-Man movies are Spider-Man 2 with directed by Sam Raimi and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two best Spider-Man movies ever made. Now, while I say that Marvel has never made a Spider-Man movie as good as them, Marvel has also never made a Spider-Man movie as bad as a couple of Sony Spider-Man movies. <laughs> right. You know, Spider-Man 3, The mm -hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, I mean, it kind of balances out there a little bit, admittedly. But, I mean, hey, listen, personally, I am loving the relationship. The movies that are getting made with the relationship between Sony and Marvel, I think they're on a, on a roll. They're putting out good stuff. But if it does go right back to Sony... Hey, Sony's made better Spider-Man movies than Marvel has, so I'm Is okay with that too. Is there ever a world of like, like leasing out a character? Like if they do go their separate ways? That's what it is right now. Like right now, Spider-Man, the, the relationship is this. In theory, Marvel owns Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. It's theirs. But they have the, they have the, the rights to Spider-Man right now are they belong with Sony. But Sony doesn't own Spider-Man, right? They have a contract with Marvel that says as, as long they can have Spider-Man in perpetuity as long as they continue to make Spider-Man movies. Now, obviously, there were some allowances made when they signed the new deal with Marvel to co-produce movies with Marvel. Marvel would make the movie. Sony would then distribute it. That's what's going on right now. Got it. So what, ha what happens is unless Marvel outright sells the rights, like sells the character, mm -hmm. lock, stock, and barrel, to Sony, they will always technically be the owners, but as of right now, Sony is in complete control of the Spider-Man character because they have the rights by contract. And as long as they keep making Spider-Man movies, then they can have the, the character in perpetuity. So Right, but what I'm saying is if they if Sony were to say, you know what, we're gonna close out this chapter of Spider-Man and Marvel goes and takes it and they start making Spider-Man movies, could Sony go, oh, you know what? We really just want to lease him for one, like for a cameo in one big movie. Is that possible? Okay, yeah, or do you really have, I mean, I don't know how any of these licensing and right, you know, it gets yeah, very complicated. Think of it like this. Think of it like any other property. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say, you know, Aaron, I love that. What are we going to call it? Salmon colored shirt you have. Can People I on the chat are like, why is Aaron wearing pink? Well, <laughs> I'm like, I don't I'll know. Call it salmon. Why not? I, I like uh, we'll salmon, close. whatever. We'll I like close. it. Tell so let's say I love shirt. that shirt. It's like, <laughs> and I say, like, it's your shirt. You and I can make, you can make any deal you want for it, right? You can put anything you want into a contract. As an actress, you know this. You yes. can put anything you want into a contract. True. So we can say, okay, Aaron, I'd like to have a contract where for $5, I get to wear your shirt tomorrow. And... <laughs> And I will can, I will pay you 10 times that to wear this shirt. Tomorrow. I'm not saying I'll be able to get the buttons closed, but <laughs> uh, I'll wear your shirt tomorrow and you can say, okay, that's fine, but you can only wear it in this room. You can't wear it in any other room in the house. So yeah, okay. Sony, Sony and Marvel, they could make any deal they wanted sure. to. I don't know that Marvel would ever go, well, Spider-Man is ours again. But sure, we'll let you use our character for one movie. I don't right. think they'd risk another studio damaging the reputation of their character. So, I Got mean, it. but it could happen. You can, sure. As Robert Meyer Burnett says, you can negotiate anything. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Next up, we got uh, Story is Life Rights. Just want to say that in this golden age of Marvel that we continue to live, that we continue to live in, it's a shame that Schnepp isn't around to bask in it with us. Uh, he'd be losing his crap over WandaVision. He would be. But listen, you know, Robert and I talk about this a lot. Um, there have been a number of times, uh, including Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I remember Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the first movie 
that I walked out of that. I, and I remember I did this. If you guys follow me on social media, you know this. I came out of the theater. The first time I watched it was at the, the uh, AMC Burbank 16. And I walked out of the theater, stopped, thought about Schnepp, pulled out my phone. And I said, this is a movie that Schnepp would have went crazy for. Mm. And that has happened a number of times. And I, I, I still remember when, when Endgame came out, um, I saw Endgame the first place that I saw Infinity War, which was on the Disney lot. And one year earlier, Robert Meyer Burnett was the plus one guest of John Schnepp to go see the press screening of Avengers Infinity War at the Disney lot. One year later, Rob was my plus one guest. Um, and we went and, you know, Rob and I first went to lunch and we talked about Schnepp because the year before he had, he had been there. And yeah, I mean, there have been a number of times when something comes out that we think, my God, Schnepp would have loved that. And you're right. WandaVision is something he would absolutely be losing his mind over. The, the way WandaVision is going is something Schnepp absolutely would have been losing his mind over. All right. Uh, Leandro, Can by I the way, just say something? Really yeah, quick. sure. You know, um, I think it's really beautiful and I, and you know, like, I mean, we've all lost people that we care about. I think it's really beautiful that you guys have this connection with Schnepp that endures through movies. Mm. And there's really something special about that because, you know, I mean, regard, like I personally believe that we, you know, get visited by people that we love that have transitioned and whether it's in a bird in a butterfly whatever, and there's something about you walking out of a theater and feeling and and thinking of of Schnapp and feeling him that is really beautiful and i and i and i i don't think that that's just wow he would have really liked that i i believe personally um that there's something like that's an experience that lives on with you guys and i really appreciate you sharing that well, you know what's f fun is that we've we've had other people write into the show about this is that movies particularly like when you go to a movie theater or something you, you go out you share that experience together they become very bonding things and i we've had a number of people write into the show to say you know um true lies was the last movie my uncle and i saw together before my uncle died and now whenever i watch true lies this or or people write you know when i watch a star wars movie i remember my dad introduced me to star wars and, yeah. and now whenever i watch star wars and for me that is Batman because, you know, my best friend growing up, everybody knows the story, a couple, couple years back, just before I decided to go out on my own, my best friend growing up passed away rather quickly. And I remember he was the, me and, and him were the, it was the first time I ever went to the movies without my parents. Mm. And we got on a bus and we went to downtown Hamilton. We went to Lloyd D. Jackson Square in Hamilton in a little movie theater. It was the first time I'd ever seen a giant lineup for a movie. We How old were see, you guys? I can't even remember now, but like it was about, Tim it, Burton's. Was What year did Tim Burton's Batman come out? 90. No, I think it was, I think it was the, wasn't it the eighties? Oh, so really? Hey guys, oh, in the live wait, chat, the guys in the live chat, when did uh, the Tim Burton Batman? Oh, was that the out? one with Kim Basinger? It was the one before that. Oh my gosh. 89, 89. Oh wow. Okay. So I was like, I was like 16. So okay. you know, it wasn't the first one I I had gone to, it was a, but it was it but was But you're like young and you're tasting young, yeah. freedom. And, and I remember you're getting me, out by yourself without your parents. Me and Brendan went down there 
and watched that movie and it was so much fun. And now whenever I see Batman in any movie, whether it's Christian Bale or whether it was, or whether it's a Ben Affleck, when I go back and watch a Batman movie now, I'm, I'm, I, I think of that day that me and Brendan went down and, and watched that movie. And you I think feel of my him friend. with you, yeah. you, yeah. And you get to experience to it together. That. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Uh, thank you for writing that in story is life. I really appreciate that, man. All right. Next up. Uh, C. Loss writes, um, hello again, Lord Filthy. Uh, and C. Loss tips in $20. Thank you for that, C. Loss. Um, hope the Inland Empire is treating you well so far. It is. We're enjoying it very much. Uh, been here all my life. The Sopranos, I saw it when it first aired, but after binging it again, all I could say is, wow, unbelievable. How did you interpret the final scene? So the final scene of The Sopranos was pretty controversial because a lot of people hated the way it ended, but a lot of people thought it was completely appropriate. For those of you who don't know, basically it ends with, you know, Tony Soprano going to the bathroom, a guy walking in that we interpret is a, is a hitman, and then the screen just goes black. And that the kind of interpretation is that is that he was then killed in that scene. But a lot of people didn't like the way that ended, but that's how I interpreted it. I thought it was actually quite appropriate when you understand the series and how it's been described before. I thought it was appropriate. Speaking of which, I'm very much looking to The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel series. I mean, did you ever watch Sopranos? Were you ever into, into The Sopranos? You know what? I didn't have HBO, so anytime I wanted to watch anything, I had to go to a friend's house. So I saw bits and pieces, but I'm not going to lie. Christopher sitting on the dog? I don't know. That kind of took me out of it. I was like, I don't know if I can watch this movie. Christopher just sat on the dog, so I got. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. All right. Next up. Thank you for that. C Joey just popped her head up. She's like, what? Sitting on the dog. Jared's reviews writes, hey, John, can you explain to me how so many things get leaked? I know they have sources, but I find it crazy how some people report these big stories. Like, how does Baby Yoda not get reported? Uh, is it the amount of people that know a small number, loose lips? I mean, it all depends. It all depends. Like, listen especially when you're talking about the major trades, when you're talking about variety and you're talking about the Hollywood reporter and things like that, you are literally talking about people who have known sources in the studio system for decades and decades and whose very job it is, is to cultivate those relationships. And they are the most reputable outlets on there. So when his it's like, I'm so-and-so with the Hollywood reporter, cool. Then they feel they can talk to them. And then what happens is somebody in the studio like will let them know about it. And now as far as the other leaks go, sometimes it's simple. It's like sometimes a movie is shooting out on the street. And if you're on the street and you can see it and you pull out your phone and take a picture of it, guess what? You're allowed to do that. Like we live in an era, again, this is not my phone. This is a remote control. But let's say this is my phone. We live in an era today where every single human being walks around with a global telecommunications device in their pocket, audio, visual, the whole bit. So it's hard, but for the most part, a lot of the legitimate stories and, and you know, uh, breaking news and things like that comes from these trades that actually have all these long standing relationships. And sometimes they, you know, get a little something out of them. So that's kind of how it works. All right. Next up. Uh, Angry Ogre writes, Hey, John, I'm really enjoying the WandaVision show unfold. I personally doubt the plot will be as complicated as many are suggesting. I would like to mention this, though. Uh, we are assuming someone came out of the hex. Maybe someone went in Pietro. Well, that was brought up before. Now, of course, this question was sent in yesterday before WandaVision episode six aired. So we won't reference WandaVision episode six. But we did talk about this before that. Remember, right before Pietro appeared at the door. 
the alarms went off in the sword base, the same alarms that went off when they said they had a perimeter breach right before Wanda came out of the perimeter. What if those alarms were going off because something was seen going into the breach? Now, remember, I'm talking about this in reference and in context of episode five, not episode six. So you're not alone in that possible theory, Angry Ogre. There are others who think that as well. And uh, again, I'm not going to reference anything from yesterday's show quite yet, but maybe, maybe. All right, next up, Sam writes, if I was offered a Star Wars show as lead and had to choose between a lot of money and posting conspiracy theories, transphobia, <laughs> anti-mask memes on Twitter, I'm taking the money. Uh, these people should not have access to their own social media. Hire a PR person. All right, listen, I'm not going to go into the Gina Carano thing specifically again. I went at it ad nauseum yesterday, but I will say this, Aaron. I've said this for ages, for ages. If you are a professional athlete if you are someone in the entertainment business where perception is part of the job staying out of controversy because the whole reason you have a job if you're a pro athlete or a musician or professional entertainer is because people like you and people want to watch you or listen to you or see you shoot the ball, whatever about that. And understanding that the moment people don't want to see me doing that, unlike an accountant who's behind the scenes doing their work, then you put your job in jeopardy. And I've said this forever. If you are a professional athlete or entertainer, get off fucking Twitter. What the fuck are you thinking? And at, or at least, at least hire a social media manager. I know, some, I won't specifically say who, but I know somebody in entertainment who they have a thing where they said, said they can do a tweet, but instead of it posting to the internet, it goes directly to their social media manager. So their social media manager can see it first. And so it, that social media manager becomes a layer of protection oh, between wow whatever brain fart you may have at the time and what actually goes out to the world. And 99% of the time, the social media manager just goes, yeah, publish. But the 1% of the time is like, hey, so-and-so, um, do you realize that this tweet could be construed as this? Right. You might want to reword that. If you are a famous person in entertainment, you can afford to have a, a college kid be a little layer in between social media manager don't be so stupid. Like I, I'm, you gotta be smart enough to know that you may have a quick thought and you just may word it completely wrong. And even if you meant it completely right, if you're a famous person, get a social media manager. And what's funny to you and your buddies might not be funny to other people. Case in point, uh, and, and you know, not only someone who can watch your Twitter in real time, but, you know, go back a few years. Like, I'll every once in a while, I'll go back and just, like, scroll through some of the tweets that I posted, you know, a while ago just to double check. And what was the guy from Fla The Flash who got fired? Ezra Miller? Or, no, no. Uh, um, the um, TV show. Uh, Har Harley. Harley. Right. So, I, I forget Ex his name. We've already forgotten his name. There was, like, so many yep. people that were, like, up in arms. Oh, my God. Why did he get fired? You know what? 
he was making enough money to hire someone to go, hey, can you just like go through my Twitter and make sure that like before I was on this show that I'm getting paid an absurd amount of money for some of those tweets that I thought were funny are gone. Like you can afford to pay someone if you don't want to do it yourself or you know what? Just do it yourself. I actually have a system set up in place because I have insomnia. And so every night I take an edible. It's legal here in California. Don't judge me. And so my system is that I have Tom next to me going, don't tweet your high. Don't tweet your high. Don't you just tweeted your high. Delete that. <laughs> so literally every night when I got on Twitter and I'm high and I think something's funny, Tom next to me is going, nope, delete. Nope, nope. Get off Twitter. Get off Twitter. And he'll take my phone away from me. So um, if you don't have money to hire someone and you don't have Tom Degen laying in bed next to you. I highly suggest that when you're not high, you just go through and delete it all. Yeah, I, I agree. Just understand that what you may think is okay may not be okay. I've seen very well-intentioned people, very good people just write or tweet the stupidest things. Yeah. It's like, it's like I didn't realize people would take that the wrong way. Maybe get your, maybe stay off fucking Twitter. And How also, about- because also the reality is that no one cares what your political leanings are. If you say, hey, you know what? I think that Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package is too much and we should be more fiscally conservative. And I think that the package that was a couple, you know, billion dollars that was proposed by the conservative uh, members of the Senate was much more realistic for our current economy. That is a political statement. Right. And a perfectly Being, rational one, too, a, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you're allowed. No one's saying you're not allowed to have conservative viewpoints. But a conservative viewpoint is not anti-Semitic and racist. That's just you being an asshole. That's not conservative. Okay, well, now we're getting into yeah, a specific right. situation I don't want to get okay, this, this it, into. It. But just in general, if you are a, a famous athlete, musician, or entertainer, because you may be well-meaning or not, just either stay off Twitter or... Get yourself a social media man. Get get a cheap college college kid who will do it for twelve bucks an hour. Whatever, just ask him. Hey Billy, twice a day, check my Twitter and just blah blah. Just get somebody to double check your stuff to make sure you don't get yourself in trouble. And that's just my take on it. All right, next up, um, do, 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 where are we at? We're at Korean drama fan who writes. The other day you talked about CW and HBO uh, Max a simulcasting TV series. And if it benefits HBO Max, did you know that Netflix already does this? The weekly Korean Netflix originals are actually TV shows that they co-finance with Korean TV networks. No, nope, didn't wasn't familiar with that mm-hmm. at all. I don't know anything about it. Um, I don't know if that would be considered on the same scale as DC characters, you know, with the pop cultural influence of that and, and the more of a global reach. But that is an interesting connection there, Korean drama fans. So that's something I'll have to keep an eye on. I'll look into that. Thank you for putting that on our radar. All right, next up, Biggie the Legend writes, um, if Disney slash Lucasfilm decides to recast Cara Dune's character with a different actress, uh, these are my candidates. Number one, Lucy Lawless. There's a big push on the internet big. right now for Lucy Lawless. Uh, number two, Lana uh, Perilia, uh, the evil queen from Once Upon a Time. Michelle Rodriguez, and for um, Haley Atwell, yes, Peggy Carter her, herself. I See, here's the thing. I don't think that they will recast Cardoon. And, and the reason I don't think they're going to recast Cardoon is two reasons. Number one, it just elongates a conversation mm-hmm. that I think Disney wants to be finished with. But number two, and a lot of people say I'm crazy for this, but I'm telling you I do think this is in play. If you recast Cardoon now, it absolutely 100% closes the door that 
uh, they could ever uh, fix things with Gina Carano and bring her back, a.k.a. like what happened with James Gunn. You know, they unceremoniously very quickly fired James Gunn. A year later, they were able to fix that and they were able to bring him back. I am not saying that Gina Carano will be back, but I believe that you don't, if you have the option to at least keep keep your options open to you, if you have if you have an option there to you that keeps your options open, that hey, if a year from now we we can fix this and we want to bring her back in, and you know we've worked things out, we've come to a better understanding, blah blah. Disney seems to like to be able to keep their options open. So for those two reasons, I do not think they will recast Cardoon. I could, I mean, I don't know that. That's no insider information. I just think they're going to keep their options open, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, uh, next up here. That was Biggie. Uh, Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, WandaVision has been the topic of discussion, but it's time to pump the brakes just a little. Not fully just for the arrival of Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, is this movie on your radar? The movie looks awesome and can't wait for it on Friday. It's funny you mentioned that. Ann and I were actually watching two nights ago. We were watching this behind the thing, the behind the scenes thing on this. And it looks great. And it's already getting like awards buzz. Not that I pay much attention to awards buzz at, like this year, but um, everything does look fantastic. And Ann and I were kind of drooling over it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we got to watch this. Have, are you, have you been following uh, Judas and the Black Messiah at all. And- I, it's on my list of movies that of, of things that I want to check out because yeah, the buzz is incredible. The cast is amazing. The cast is incredible. Everything that I've seen has been really exciting. And so they're doing a, a brilliant job of marketing because even if it was something that was not on your radar initially, it is definitely, they, they're doing a, a brilliant job. So it's, yeah, something that I want to check out. All right, next up, uh, Mark, Amorosi writes, hey, John, with the recent news of Gina Carano being fired from Lucasfilm, do you feel they should recast Cardoon or get rid of the character altogether? Again, my thought right now is, as I just said, I think they're going to just ignore the character. I think they're just going to move away from the character mm-hmm. uh, because they've already done that on Mandalorian. Like sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not. It's then <laughs> They don't have to explain it. So I think they'll move away from it. I don't think they'll work cast because I do think they're going to want to keep their options open for what could maybe happen later. Not will happen later, but could maybe happen later. So we'll see. All right, next up, uh, Star Wars Rocks writes, uh, Hi, John. Well, by the looks of uh, by looks of cancel culture, finally got what they wanted when it comes to Disney and Gina Carano. As it was announced in Deadline article that Lucasfilm has indeed fired her. Do you see this having a negative impact on the Mandalorian's future success? No. Zero. Um, I don't even think if, if Pedro Pascal was gone, it would affect their success very much because he generally just does the voice anyway. Um, no, this is going to affect their future success. Absolutely zero. Um, and listen, I, I could get into your choosing of word. This to me, this is not a situation of cancel culture. Like when something happens and then Disney talks to her and they don't fire her. And then another, again, we walked through this yesterday. And then another thing happens. Disney talks to her and they don't fire her. And then another thing happens. And they sat, they talked to her and they didn't fire her. And then another thing happens and then they finally do. To me, this was less about, when I look at the situation, this was less about, they didn't fire her for what she tweeted. They fired her because she lied to them. She, they fired her because she broke her commitment that she made to them. She, they fired him, fired her because she said she was resolute that she won't do this again. She understood the situation, won't do it again, and then did it again. And you can only, listen, it doesn't matter what it is. If your boss says to you, look, in my workplace, you don't wear red shoes, all right? That is a rule in my office. In my office, you don't wear red shoes. And you come in wearing red shoes, and your boss says, look, um, in my office, you don't wear red shoes. 
So please don't wear red shoes again. Okay, I won't wear them again. And then, you, you know, next week you come into the office again wearing red shoes. And the boss says, look, we, we've had this conversation. Don't wear red shoes in my office. Uh, please. And you said you wouldn't. Okay, I won't again. And then you do it again the third week. And then you, the boss sits down with you and says, look, we have had this conversation. You can wear red shoes anytime you want. You can go wear red shoes, but as long as you're working in my office, mm -hmm. and maybe it's a good rule, maybe it's a dumb rule, but it doesn't matter. It's my office. If you're working in my office, no red shoes in my office. Do you understand? And then they say to him, okay, you know, you're right. I get it. Uh, maybe I didn't quite understand before, but now I do. It won't happen again. I won't wear red shoes again. I promise, I promise, I will not wear, wear red shoes again. Okay, fine. And then a month later, you come into the office wearing red shoes. Guess what? At that point, the boss has talked to you once, twice, three times, and then you did it again anyway. And the boss says, look, I told you the rule was no red shoes. You promised me you wouldn't do it again, and you did. I'm letting you go. You That's have like nobody, that, that you happens have in every industry and in every company. Yeah. There's not a single person who works for any company, especially a behemoth like Disney. I, when I was in college, I was an advertising intern at an, at an advertising agency in Dallas called DDB. One of DB, DDB's clients was Pepsi. Guess what? On the very first day of our internship, we were told there are no Coke products allowed in the building. If you must drink Dr. Pepper or Diet Coke or Coca-Cola. I didn't know Dr. Pepper was a Coke product. It is. Well, see, I learned something new every day. Uh, Mr. Pibb is the Pepsi equivalent. Got it. There I've never go. had a Mr. Pibb, by the way. I've un until You're not allowed to have any traditional sodas. And I know that by the absurd amount of Sevia in your refrigerator. There there's it is. A, there's a lot of Zevia in my refrigerator. Zevia, excuse me. Sorry. Well, I, 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 I might be, be Zevia. I don't know. The well, assholes, you should know. They, the should, be a won't they sponsor should be a sponsor me, of so the show. I don't the care. fact that they're not is crazy. But back, so we were told on the very first day, if you carry a Coke product into this building and it's not, unless you're carrying it in a cup like this, they said, if you really need to drink your Dr. Pepper, put it in something else. Because if you carry a Dr. Pepper can into this building, that is a fireable offense, period. Period. No questions asked. You're gone. And so it's like, it's almost like someone's trying to get fired. You know, I have a an, an acquaintance who is on um, a popular CBS show, and it is very popular with very conservative audience. And he started drinking a lot of that. And I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I, what I mean, don't take it the wrong way. What I mean is, he started drinking a little bit of his own Kool-Aid a little bit too much. Like, I am infallible and I'm going to speak to my fans. And he was tweeting some really, you know, some stuff that was getting up there. That was very borderline. That um, And he, they had a talk with him. He was called in by HR and they said, here's the deal. You're making like $75,000 a week to be one of the stars of our television show. And you have a choice. You can either appease your Twitter audience or you can keep your job. You make the choice. And he was like, okay, got it, got it. He's still on the show. And so exactly what you just said, he had a choice. He could have been like, well, screw you, CBS. My people need to hear my voice. And you know what? He'd be out of a job. You have that choice. I mean, it, it's, it's given. And if you continue to do whatever the behavior is, uh, you know, after you've been told, then you deserve to get fired.
Yeah, I mean, that's that's just the thing. It, it, it doesn't matter what the, the issue or the topic is. When your employer tells you this can't happen as long as you're working with us, and if you want to do that thing that we don't allow, then great, then go work somewhere else. Yeah. And, and the other thing, the important thing has got to be reminded here is too is this, is unlike the James Gunn situation, where there was no discussion, there were no warnings, there was no deliberation, they found out about it, three minutes later, they fired him. Yeah. Gina Carano <clears throat> was warned several times. It may have been more, but it was at minimum thrice times. Yes, thrice times she was warned. And then she decided that it was more important for her to do that than to this. And and let's be real. It's it not like it it's just people. Like there's a lot of people like, well, you know, liberals never get canceled. Kathy Griffin, like her career was done. She was immediately. Well, James Gunn got fired again without without being without a single warning. He was fired. right. And same thing, you know, Kathy Griffin held a you know very anti-Trump. And, and but again, she I don't want to get. I don't want to go into the political okay. angle of this. I don't want to go into the political angle of this. It's just that the, the basic thing is this. But that's what people what say. People are. say that it was because of her politics. It was not because of her politics. It, and and that's what I'm saying. Like. It's yes, part of it is also, you know, the fact that she just she's unmanageable. She can't work in that environment because she's un and that's the key, right? It's that <clears throat> it finally came down like the, it was I think it was either Variety or Deadline reported that they were planning on giving Cara Dune her own spinoff series. And before like before they fired, they just realized we don't trust you. Yeah, we can't trust that we can invest tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars into the production of a show, have you as the face and the star of the show when you can completely embarrass and bring controversy into, or you can just bring controversy after controversy onto our show and hurt us, and we don't trust that you'll ever keep your promises. Because we want to people to be talking about the show. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We because want people we, talking about the show, not the bullshit that, exactly. that, that Pedro or you or anybody else gets involved with after. They want to be people to be talking and about And unfortunately, the show. you know, the, we had an acting, I had an acting teacher years ago that said, you never want to fall into the heading of life's too short. And when every conversation about your show is about the controversy around your show that you're bringing in, life's too short. But anyway. By the way, there are a bunch of people who are ignoring all the facts that keep wanting to bring up to me. Well, John, Pedro tweeted some things about Nazis. Yeah, guess what? He stopped. And you want to know why he stopped? Because Disney called his reps mm -hmm. and said, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, that kind of stuff, you can't do it. Gina Carano got three warnings. You know Pedro Pascal got warned. The difference between Pascal and her was Pascal stopped. And we don't <laughs> even, we also, we don't even know the full story because it's yeah. not like she was just fired. She was also dropped by her agent. Yeah, her agency also dropped her. Yeah. yeah, that means that there's also, like, there's stuff we don't even know about. That's problematic behavior, period. Anyway. And a year from now, no one will care. Yeah, now look, I'm going to let you guys know, um, generally when people send in identical questions, I like to respect the fact that you sent in, even if it's a repeat question, still give it a full answer. But moving forward here, if anybody asks about the Gina Carano stuff, I'm just going to refer you back to what we just talked about because there's no point in us re rehashing it at this point. But, uh, and, and look, look, you guys know in November, I put out a video that said, should Gina Carano be fired? And I said, no, I, I said, no, I like, I, I think she said a lot of stupid things, but I don't think she should be fired. I don't think, and if it was me, I'm not even sure that I would fire her today, but I completely understand. I think I you've got to be very terrible. naive and biased if you can't at least acknowledge that you understand the rationale behind it. But anyway, there's that. Let's move on. All right, next up. Uh, Shuckle Monkey writes, one of two. 
Uh, hey, John, big fan from Israel. The talk about Gina Carano reminds me of a discussion we had about Magneto's origins. As a Jewish person, I was raised to know that the Holocaust is the worst crime of humanity. People sent to concentration camps, experiments made on them, and at the end, six million Jews were exterminated. I think that if Disney will change Magneto's origins to other crimes against humanity, a lot of Jewish people will be insulted by the comparison of the Holocaust to other crimes. In my other, in my opinion, Magneto's origins must be in the Holocaust because this is the worst crime in, uh, of humanity. And because of the experiments that was made on the Jewish people, for me, it's a little bit to say like Captain America could be from any war like the Vietnam War. Here's the problem, Shekel Monkey. It's too far gone now. Like, I'm not, look, if time wasn't linear, all right, if time wasn't linear, and we could just say Magneto could pick any, we could, the, the creators of Magneto could pick, could pick any incident in human history, and it's irrelevant because Magneto's immortal, um, then that's, that's another thing. Then I would say absolutely that the, the best and most ideal scenario to say what Magneto came out of was that Holocaust scenario that was painted brilliantly in the first X-Men movie, because that was just so brutally powerful. But the, re the reality is there are practical issues. Magneto now would be 90 years old today. If you want to say that his origin came out of the Holocaust, it's just not practical to do that anymore. It, it's, just, it's just a matter of practicality. Like, for instance, if you were doing a show today, I, I don't know, let, let's put, let's say you're going to reboot The Office, right? Um, or no, let's make up another show. Let's say you're you're doing a show set today with human beings, and we're going to call it uh, Tin Can Man, Men. Tin Can Men. It's about a bunch of companies that makes tin cans. You can't say, if it's set today in 2021, that um, your guy... Your manager of that company used to be a manager of the Hudson Bay Trading Company in the late 1800s. You can't say that. That that doesn't fit. That doesn't work. That, that's not how the world works. He, unless you're saying he is an immortal being from another dimension, but that's not what the show is. The show is about a couple executives who run a tin can company. You can't say that guy used to manage a company from the 1800s. It's just a practicality issue. Because I agree with you. All other things being equal. If you could pick a, a human uh, atrocity that Magneto came out of, the Holocaust is the one to do. Absolutely. But since that's no longer practical, it needs to be another one that's a little bit more modern so we can age the character properly. Well, John, just say one of Magneto's mutations is that he doesn't age. That ha that's, not a, <laughs> that's not a Magneto power. Now you want to change the character mm -hmm. to, to fit, to fit the context. Mm -hmm. That's not how you do it. So I, that's my thoughts on it. And I just think it's just a matter of practicality. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with me. That's totally cool if you don't. But I'm just explaining why I hold the position on that that I hold. That's just my personal opinion on that. But anyway, thanks for sharing your, your uh, opinion on that so eloquently, Shekel Monkey. I appreciate that, man. All right, Chocolate Wizard writes, uh, Gina Carano's absurd claim that conservatives are being persecuted has left us with no choice but to drive her out of the industry. Again, I don't want to go more into the political side of things. I, I really just see it more as a, of a three strikes, in this case, a four strikes in your out sort of situation. So, um, again, I, I'm not even sure I would have necessarily fired her per se, but, uh, I at least understand and I get the rationality behind, uh, Disney saying, look, we gave you chance after chance, after chance, after chance. It doesn't matter with whether you agree with our rules or not. We're the employer. These are our rules. If you don't want to live by our rules, then go work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. 
It's, it's, it's in every industry. That's in every industry. Uh, Boris writes, Hey John, I hope you've had a great start to the year. I have. Thank you very much. I'm eagerly awaiting a trailer for the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, I'm like, where the hell is it? Uh, since I was a kid, it's been one of my favorite games, and the original film is also a guilty pleasure of mine. If you haven't already, you should watch the cinematic trailer to the Mortal Kombat 11 game. Oh, we talked about the cinematic trailer to Mortal Kombat 11 game on this show, especially when they introduced all the new characters, which was like wild, like when Terminator showed up and everything. Uh, that's the level of fucked up I'm wanting to see, uh, but hope of a great story also, of course. What's a trailer you're looking forward to seeing? Thanks, John, and how have a great day. Well, I'm very, I'm curious about the Mortal Kombat thing. I mean, because look, the original Mortal Kombat movie is awful, but <laughs> I love it. I love that movie, but it is terrible. Of course it is. I am very curious to see it. My expectations for the movie are tempered though, because it is a first time director and a first time screenwriter. Uh, and so I'm a little bit see where they go. But then again, this isn't a huge tentpole movie. This is a modestly budget, budgeted movie. Good kind of movie for a new director and writer to cut their teeth on. Let's see how it goes. A movie I'm really looking forward to seeing a trailer for, um, Eternals. I think Eternals because, and I'm not saying that because I'm not saying that the Eternals is my most anticipated movie. It's not, but I am so wildly curious mm -hmm. to see what are they going to do with this movie? Like, what is this movie even going to feel like? Cause I have no idea. And how are they going to look? Oh yeah. Cause we've seen the pictures, but pictures, but like when they do move and like, yeah. how, like, like when, when, just the way that they move through the space as super actors that we've never seen, you know, be superheroes. Yeah. Like that's what I'm excited about because we've because like we know how Tony Stark moves through the world. Yes. And there's something that to be said about the way that those characters, you know, when you see actors that you're familiar with because you've seen the breadth of their career, like an Angelina Jolie. I don't think she's ever never played a superhero, right? Well, I mean, she was in that. What's the one she was in with James McAvoy where she curved the bullet? Uh, oh, but James McAvoy. It's, yeah, it's not really a superhero show, but it was kind of a superhero role. But no, she's never played a legitimate superhero character. And there's something like there. There's an elevated. Oh, by the way, Kimberly LG in the live chat wanted. Thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, yeah. wanted. Thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, there's something there's there's something elevated about the performances. You know, the good ones are always still very grounded, but there is a certain just a certain affectation that uh, that that actors put on when they're doing superheroes that just makes it a little bit more, you know, a little bit more yummy. So I'm excited to see that. By the way, one of the things I love about doing this show is that if I, if like, oh, what was that thing again? I know our I live know. chat community. I looked at the live chat. It was like 1989. Michael, 1989, Matthew, 1989. Michael, Aaron, Bill, um, uh, Josie, Reaver, Calvin, uh, Abby, uh, Regent, like all these people, the ones that, Thank you guys. You guys got my back. I love that. It's nice knowing you guys have my back. So yes, the one, I, not because it's my most anticipated movie, but because I really want to know what this is going to feel like. And so that's why I'm, I'm going to say the Eternals. Uh, Preston the Kryptonian writes, Hey John, I rewatched Endgame last weekend and realized that since the Avengers went back in time to retrieve the Infinity Stones, the stones shouldn't even be there to begin with for, uh, for Thanos to wipe out half of all living creatures. Let me try this again. I rewatched Endgame last night and realized that since the Avengers went back in time to retrieve the Infinity Stones, the stones shouldn't even be there to begin with for Thanos to wipe out all half of living creatures. So when they come back to the present time, uh, everyone should have returned and they 
could then use the Infinity Stones to wipe out Thanos and his army. I guess I can't quite wrap my head around MCU's rules of time travel. Thanks. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. The writers of Endgame, there was an interview done about five months ago. I remember Rob and I talked about it on the show. The writers of Endgame were being interviewed and a couple of logic issues were kind of brought up to them. And they just right out admitted yeah, there are some contradictions in the movie. I mean, they just they just outright admitted it. It's like, good for yeah, them. There, yep, there are some, listen, we're, we're dealing with time travel, multiple realities, all these different characters, and all these different shows. And yep, yeah, yeah, there's some things we can't explain because here's the gist of it. What they tried, the way they tried to deal with the, the logic continuity problem was by saying that, oh, like, if why don't we just go back and kill baby Thanos? And then they try to basically say, look, when we go back in time, as soon as we change something, that's not our timeline. It, that now mm -hmm. becomes an, alter, an alternate timeline, an alternate reality. So if we go back in time and change something back in time, it will still remain the same in our present reality, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. However, at the end of Endgame, they directly contradict that with the fact that Steve Rogers went back in time and just decided to stay there, which was different from our timeline. And then what happens? He's just still there in our timeline at mm -hmm. the end. Hi, Sam. <laughs> right? And get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> it, it, like, so we got old man Rogers there. And it, it's funny because... The, the the writers, I mean, it was so refreshing. The writers, instead of trying to come up with some bullshit, right? About, well, no, uh, actually, in the quantum mechanics, of, no, they just said, you know what? Yeah, there are some things that don't make sense, mm -hmm. and they just it just was. Yeah, good well, for because, them. Well, you're all like, also, I mean, are they going to be able to explain quantum physics to the entire audience? You know, in the quantum in the world, can they explain it to me? No. <laughs> I'll give you a great Joe Dispenza book that explains it beautifully, you know, but in, in quantum physics, mm. all things exist in, you know, in, in all time, like it, all things are there until they compress into the present reality. And so to, to try to explain that is incredibly challenging. I don't even understand it myself, but then also it doesn't necessarily even apply for a visual medium. It just doesn't even, it, it doesn't work. And I like it when people say, like, I like the fact that, um, in, uh, uh, what was the most recent Christopher Nolan inception inception? Yeah. I like the fact that Robert Pattinson said sometimes we would get to set. And we would be like, I have no idea. Oh no. Tenet. If you're talking about the, mo oh, like the sorry, most not, recent yeah, one with we've been watching Tenet. inception yeah. ad nauseum in our house. Yeah. Tenet. Uh, Robert Pattinson was like, yeah, there were days that I got to work that I was like, I have no idea what this, like what we're doing here. I, it doesn't make sense to me, but we're just going to do it. You know, I still don't understand the movie. <laughs> I, I still don't. I have to watch it again. It, it, I, I've watched it twice now, and it's definitely enjoyable the, the second time around. The first time, I was very frustrated. I am not someone who likes not knowing. Here's the problem. <laughs> I saw it. It's one of only two movies I've seen in theaters during the pandemic. Okay. So I, I drove to Vegas to watch New Mutants. I remember that. I drove to Orange County to go watch Tenet. And I remember... I liked the movie, but there was so much of it because of dialogue, the the the, the sound of the dialogue that I couldn't understand what the hell was being said. Oh, I have to watch it on subtitles. And that's the thing. I haven't watched it again yet. I'm like, I am so looking forward to watching again with subtitles. I would never sure have been, even more. with subtitles, I was like, we got to go back because what the hell are they talking about? But yeah, if, it, if, I, if I had to watch it without subtitles, I don't even watch anything without subtitles now. Everything we watch, we have subtitles on. 
Um, yeah. Because a lot, a lot of actors mumble. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've just got time for a couple more here, guys. Uh, Sam Wright writes. One of two. Hey, John, been a regular viewer and fan for a few years now from the UK. Thank you. So I got to get out to London sometime. I, I, I There's so many viewers in London and I always I've always wanted to go. I got to get out there sometime. But this is my first time writing in. Well, it's good to have you writing in, Sam. Uh, so regarding yesterday's show, it seems a testicle man is the first induction into the campiest cinematic universe. Who else is in it? And when's the MCU crossover? Who do you think uh, who do you think you Anne, and Rob would play in a live action? Uh, you as Captain Canada, hope you and the family are staying safe. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. P.S. Never thought that would be my first tip. Well, thank you for writing that in. And Aaron's just got her mouth gape yeah i was uh, there's not a real movie called testicle man i made because you know sometimes I'm, if i'm talking about Wait, this scenario, is rob testicle man if you're captain canada <laughs> no because i don't want that visual I, I love you rob i don't think anybody wants testicle man but I, I i i can't remember what it was but it was like whenever i make up scenario i have to come up with a movie like tin can man i said i don't know oh i see go. okay testicle man there we go we got testicle man balls on the, the brain Balls on the brain. And then yesterday, <laughs> testicles came up again. It's like a, talking about annoying things. Yeah, I said, you know, things that are annoying, like testicle hair. Testicle hair is annoying. <laughs> so it's hard to get rid of and just always <laughs> uncomfortable. And yeah, testicle hair is bad. I hope Wanda ends WandaVision with no more testicle hair. Instead of, you know, no more mutants, say no more testicle hair. I'm going to go wash my brain after this show. <laughs> Washing the brain is good, too. You you ask, Tom. Testicle hair is a pain in the ass. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Tom Thank is a chihuahua. He has no hair on his butt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, he's he's. I, I Things I didn't want to hear about today. No, he is not. He is. He is. I don't want to hear the opposite either. I don't even know. Just Let's just end this conversation just right now. Let's move on. Uh, next up, who do we got? We got uh, Neil Braveheart writes. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Aaron was just on camera talking about your various crevice body hair. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, Neil Braveheart writes, hopefully celebrities will learn uh, from Chrono being fired. I know they want to express their thoughts, but they should be careful as to what and how they write things on social media, especially how easy it is to rally together online to get someone fired. I, I mean, again, and with, with the Chrono situation, it just was repeated over and over again. They made commitments. And again, I refer back to what we're saying before. But again, my main point, everybody in entertainment, if you're re remotely popular, uh, in entertainment, sports professionals, whatever. I know there are some professional sports teams that mandate a social media manager. Like they mandate it. You know, if so, you are a, a cheerleader idea. for an NFL team, you not only can you not follow any professional athlete in the NFL. You're not even allowed to follow them? You're, oh, no, you're not allowed to follow them, but you have to check your followers every day. And if you are being followed by any member of the NFL, any player on the NFL, you have to block them. Because you were a member, I keep forgetting the name of your squad. What was it again? We were the Kilgore College Rangerettes, the That's world's first precision dance drill team for the collegiate level. I made it to the finals for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, but I didn't make the team. That's okay. Is that um, where you learned those rules, though? That hey, if I learned a lot of the rules because the DCC tryouts are like two weeks long, and you have to do like current events tests, and you have to like you have to know a lot of stuff. But no, I I learned this from I've you know, friends that uh, are Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And I learned this from talking to a couple of the Patriots players, a couple of the Patriots cheerleaders is that you have to, you have to block any. And, and I was like, how are you supposed to 
memorize every NFL player. And they were like, you literally have to go through every new person that follows you, look at their profile and see if they're a player. And if they're a play, and I remember, you know, friends of mine that were Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, if they were having dinner at a restaurant in Dallas and a, and a cowboy, a Dallas Cowboy player walked in to sit down, they would have to immediately finish their meal, get up and leave the restaurant. They couldn't even be seen in the same restaurant as a player. That's wild. Or guess what? They got fired. So you know what? That's every wild. every industry has rules. You got to follow the rules. Yeah, as I crazy as they may be to some, for the people in that world, those are the rules. I, I just as them's a, the rules as a thing too. Like in the uh, like I know in the NHL, there's a rule in the NHL. Like hey, listen, freedom of speech. Should you be allowed to criticize the officials? Sure, that's freedom of speech. But guess what? In the NHL. The NHL considers, look, if you do stuff that it looks bad on the business, then that's bad for business and you're hurting our company. So if any coach ever says, like during a press conference, you know, we got robbed. There was a tripping penalty there and the ref didn't call it. Coach gets fined $200,000. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you're not allowed to to criticize officiating. And so, You're not allowed to criticize the the, the official's calls. Yeah, Even though no. it's part of the game. And yeah, part nope. You you because that because wow. the, the NHL is like that creates a bad look on the company. It is bad for business, and you get paid by this business, so you can't. Well, because it causes the 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 fans to have then doubts about the calls that the efficient that the officials make. Yeah, so it's like it's not good for our business. So it's look look if you want to work for the NHL, if you want to work for the NHL, and be make all this money working for the NHL. You're going to have to follow these rules that other people don't have to follow. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to work here, you got to follow this rule. And, you know, there's a lot of debate among sports fans about, about whether that's a good rule or not, but it's irrelevant whether it's a good rule. That's the rule. And if you're an NHL player or an NHL coach, you can't go go on social media afterwards and say, the refs robbed the, of, of, us of this game and blah, blah. You can't do that because you'll get fined in the thing. So, wow. It's like, yeah, like everybody else is allowed to do it, but if you work in this company, you can't do it. So I think that's a, a good thing of that. All right, we just got time for a couple of quick more here. Uh, Carlos Herrera writes, WandaVision is a, a different reality from the multiverse. Uh, Evan Peters is Quicksilver in that reality. <laughs> is he? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the big cameo is Doctor Strange from 1999-999 MCU and launch... Launch the madness. Fantastic Four and X Men are poss are possible since they wouldn't be part of the one nine 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 reality. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of stretches there. And again, I want to be careful what I do and don't say because obviously I've I've seen episode six. I know a lot of you haven't had the chance to watch it yet because it, for many of you it just came out this morning. For us, it came out at midnight last night. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say anything, but. We will go more into depth in that, Carlos, once we get into our spoiler review today at four o'clock. Uh, we will see you there, but I don't want to say too much about that uh, right now. Uh, okay, let's do this. Casey McNatt writes, hey, John, how are you today? I am great today, Casey. Thank you. Out of all the Disney Plus series, I, I, I could see stuff like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and other stuff getting renewed for a second season. I do not, however, see how they can make a season two for WandaVision. I think it will be a one seasoner. Well, listen, so this came up yesterday. Um, the, the topic of could WandaVision get a second season? And while we still have three episodes to go, and again, I'm not going to reference anything from episode six. 
we do still have three episodes to go, so anything can happen. But as right now, it seems like it's very unlikely. With not only the direction the story is going, but the novelty of the whole structure of the show. The 1950, the different era sitcom things, the novelty of that would wear off. And the way this story is going, I just don't see how you do a season two. As far as Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we don't know that either. Like, we could get two episodes into Falcon and Winter Soldier and go, oh yeah, this is clearly a one season thing. Or it could be multiple. But I'm still thinking WandaVision is going to be one and done. I think it's going to be a one time. It's going to be what, what they don't call it miniseries now. What do they call it? Limited series. Limited series. I think WandaVision is going to be a limited series. But I don't know. Where are you on that right now? Do you think there's going to be WandaVision season two or do you think this is a little I think you're on crack. A hundred. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> if WandaVision does not get a second season, I will flip this table. I will be very upset because here's the thing. Like, I don't see how they can do a season two. Well, people said the same thing about 24 and that thing lasted for 85 seasons. You know, like <laughs> I, again, if it's making money, they will find a way. What was the show with, it just won all the awards. It had uh, just, just a couple years ago, Nicole Kidman, uh, Big Little Lies, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies was, was a limited be, series. Yeah, it was supposed to be one season. So was True Detective. Then they brought it back for a second one. Yep, True Detective. You know, so. everything. But I, but I think that that's also like a, we're going to just do one season unless you like it. Oh, you like it? Okay, great. We're going to do a season two. You know, I think it's a really easy way for, for studios to, number one, attract some massive talent. Because, you know, Laura Dern, Reese Witherspoon, yeah, uh, uh, all these huge actresses to be in that show. They were only going to sign one-year contracts. They're going to sign a traditional network seven-year contract. They're not going to do that. So you pull people in by saying, hey, we're just going to do one season. But then the audience loves it. People get really excited. People want to see more. You know, the actors, they go, are you willing to come back? We're willing to, you know, pay you X amount of money more. You know, is, if the money is there, there will always be another season. Uh, the, my one other, my th one thing about that, though, is this. Right now, and I don't know this for sure, we know Wanda is going to be in Doctor Strange 2. I don't think she makes it out of Doctor Strange 2. That's, I get I'm, no insider <laughs> information. No insider. This is just me as a fan speculating, just like everybody else. I don't think Wanda makes it out of, out of Doctor really, Strange Really? Because I feel like there has been a lot of money and I, there's just been so much capital pumped into the development of the character of Wanda for the non-comic book fans, for the, you know, for the pedestrian people like me who were not aware of Wanda previously. All of a sudden, Wanda is on everybody's mind. Wanda's coming out of everybody's mouth. And they've really put a lot of money into the development of this character. So to just then kill her off really quick, I don't know. I feel like they're going to try to milk this character for as much as they can and stretch this out. Because why would they just cut that off why would they cut that pipeline of money off i think that would be an absolute rational way to look at it for almost any other franchise but marvel marvel kevin feige doesn't look at the mcu as a bunch of small individual franchises right he doesn't see the wanda franchise he, he sees the mcu mm -hmm. and he'll have certain characters play a role to contribute and help the MCU move to where the MCU overall needs to go. And from there, it feels like Feige has an NFL coach mindset. Next man up. Okay, we're done with that one now. WandaVision did what we wanted it to do. It set us into the next chapter. It set this up and this up and this up. 
Now we can move on from Wanda. Let's move on to the next thing. Can you give know. me an example of another character that has had as much of a buildup as Wanda has that's been eliminated pretty quickly? Pretty quickly? As quickly as it would be for Wanda to get killed in Doctor Strange. I... Because obviously they're, they're, I mean, well, Quicksilver was killed off very quickly, but he didn't have that buildup. And she's also one of years though. She's been, she's been around since, I mean, theoretically speaking, uh, she's been around since before age of Ultron. I mean, cause she did make the, but that was just a quick cameo. So she was around as a, as a prominent player since age of Ultron. So she's been here for years and now they're, they feels like they're getting ready to climax the story, but I don't know. Again, I don't think we're even close listen, to the climax. Winning cures we're, everything, huge popularity. When they back up that dump truck full of gold bullion. Exactly. Then, I mean, it can happen, but I still think, I think she's dead by the end of Doctor Strange 2. But by the way, that's still like two years away. So we're talking about Ultron, all these Avengers movies, her own series, Doctor Strange 2. And mm -hmm. by the time that's done, she's had a very long run in the MCU, but... You're right. Success, big success can change every plan. You're absolutely right. So we'll see where they go I with that. I don't think we're anywhere near the climax. As far as I'm concerned, this is just the foreplay. Just the foreplay. This hey, guys, foreplay. listen up. We're going to, I actually need to wrap up today's show a little bit earlier than normal. I've got a number of things on my docket today that I can't share with you yet, but I got a number of things on my docket today I need to take care of. Listen, Big companion video coming tomorrow. That's Saturday. Big companion video coming tomorrow. We're going to get all caught up on all the questions that you guys have sent in. So hang in there for that. We'll So we'll get, if you've sent in questions, everybody from uh, Casey McNatt, uh, Ardent Defender, Anonymous, Suthius, Milton. Listen, we're going to get to your questions in a big companion video tomorrow. That'll all get put up. Every question sent in will be answered. Uh, but also just a reminder, guys, that once again, today, 4 p.m., Anne and I, at 4 p.m. Los Angeles time, Anne and I doing our WandaVision Episode 6 open spoiler discussion. Please do come and join the conversation. You know, these things have been wild. Anne and I now look forward to these so much every week. We hope that you will join us for that. All right, guys. In the meantime, I, it has been a great day because Aaron Cummings and Joey Bishop have been able to be here again today. Aaron, in the meantime, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Look at Joey's face. Yeah, well, also, I want to just acknowledge that today is the two-year birthday of Joey coming into my life. That's right. Last night, we were like, yeah, February. February 11th. Like your second yeah, anniversary Even though together. she is 10 years old, it is our two-year birthday of meeting each other. Um, obviously someone needs a little bit of a nap, but you can find me and Joey Bishop and some of our little kitty cat friends uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Aaron L. Cummings. So come check us out. All right, guys. And in the meantime, remember, uh, you guys can also follow me on my social media, simply on all of them, Instagram, Twitter, if you want, uh, Facebook, at John Campy. You can follow me there. Guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe. Please take care of yourselves. And absolutely, please take care of the people around you. Uh, again, Ann and I will be back at 4 o'clock. Big companion videos coming tomorrow. We got a busy couple of days ahead of us, guys. Guys, thank you to all of you for spending some of your time with us here today. It's always an honor that you would take some of your precious time to come and hang out with us. And we're very cognizant of what an honor that is that you would do that. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in the live questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us here involved with the John Campy YouTube channel. Thank you guys very, very much for that. All right, guys, that'll do it for me. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.